Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 157 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Yeah, it seems like every day we've been filming, like every other day. Um, It's nonstop. These midweek games were pretty pretty interesting. A couple big results swinging in some teams' way. Uh, We we got another new sacking, the fifth of the year, I think, fourth or fifth. Yes, five. Stevie G, you were always against him. Are you happy he's finally out? Yeah, I mean, I think Villa, like when you look at their team on paper, they're they're a much better team than what their position in the table uh, would state. I mean, they're in 17th right now on nine points. Uh, I just don't think that those players necessarily played well for that manager. I don't really even think the system was all that bad if you look at the formation and what he was asking them to do. But sometimes it can be a personality thing, and I, I don't, think um stevie g was maybe ready for that job if you remember he only had maybe two years of full-time experience with rangers as their manager and yes that tenure was impressive uh but i just think the move for him into a position that you know he doesn't he, he didn't have any links to aston villa so um that that can be challenging we saw frank move in uh, to Chelsea, and it sort of ended in the same way, even though he, he had a little bit more success. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy about it. I don't know who Villa are going to go in and, and use to replace him. Uh, it's a bit of a, a bear market right now in terms of, of a bit available managers, but what are you going to do? You know, you have to you have to make do with what you can find. Uh, but I am glad that, that he got sacked. I don't think he was very good there. Yeah. Yeah, they struggled a bit as their own. I think I saw odds on favor right now as Pochettino, but I mean, I don't think Villa's at a position where they can pull somebody like that. I don't think they're going to be competing anytime soon to get into Europe. No. Um, I think this would have been the year what they would have challenged, but we saw all of, of Gerard's signings get hurt early on. Carlos out for the full year, so we never truly got to see um what he would have turned this side into but that's just how it is and played out but yeah um i think tuchel was like 10 to 1 they're looking at thomas frank from brentford i think Villa is a bigger club than them but um i don't know we 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 still are waiting on wolves to sign a long-term manager i think they were looking at qpr's manager but yeah i don't think anybody wants to deal with a that struggle for the whole year um i don't know it's gonna be a long year for those clubs yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose we can jump into these games. Uh, we'll go over these for you guys and then get you a, a our previews for the weekend right in time for the games to kick off uh, at 7.30 tomorrow morning. So I should say, sorry, I should say oh, records right. before we get going. Yeah. Uh, Zach and you went 4-5. and five. Yep. I went 3-6. and six. I finally had a downwards uh, bit of a week. So overall, that puts you at 48 and 58. That puts me 53-53. And then Zach is now the new leader, 54-52. Okay. Um, all right. So yeah. now we're going to have we, we got a full week. No, no teams are off. Ten games going now for the following week. Okay, cool. Um, let's jump into Brighton Nottingham Forest. This was a nil-nil draw despite Brighton having their foot on Nottingham Forest neck pretty much the entire game. This game was at Falmer Stadium. 
Uh, they lined up pretty much how they have been. I don't think there was any changes, maybe with the, the removement of Estupignon. Um, Webster slotted back in there at left center back. But Trossard, March, you know, McAllister, Casero, uh, Pascal Gross, and Welbeck, you know, all unchanged from pretty much week in, week out. Nottingham Forest lined up uh, with Johnson, Lingard, and White across the top. Yates, Froehler, and Mangala in the middle with Nico Williams, McKenna, Cook, and Serge Aurier at the back. Henderson, of course, in net. lot of chances in the first half for Brighton. Uh, they were held to a goal to straw. But, I mean, they had so many chances in the first half. They hit the bar. Um, Pascal Gross had a good shot that was saved by by Dean Henderson. Gross missed another one later on. Um, you know, Forrest didn't really threaten Brighton whatsoever. Uh, but I think this was a, a great one point for them. They need it. I think Brighton definitely were unlucky to not get the result here. They they need to be beating a team uh, like Nottingham Forest, who were in last place, especially when, you know, Brighton themselves are in eighth. But what are you going to do? Sometimes this happens. Yeah, this is a this was a classic Brighton performance. Yeah, uh, guys just needing about eighty chances, perhaps to get one goal. Um, Henderson again standing on his head, doing what he's done throughout the season, keeping his team in the match. Um, they didn't have too much going forward. They started Johnson down the middle as the nine with Gibbs White and Lingard off on the sides. Um, just not the right formula for me when it comes for Forrest. That it seems like this is going to be them every game. They're going to be really having a hard time to control the ball and build up the field. Um, as soon as they do get it up the field, they lose it because they don't have enough numbers to keep possession. Um, Nico Williams didn't get involved as much as he normally did. Um, I really thought Brighton was going to win, especially when I saw Serge Aurier starting at right back. Um, Makes a lot of mistakes we've seen over the past few seasons. Um, Left Tottenham, went to La Liga, and now is back in the Prem um, following the summer deal here. Uh, But yeah, it was was an upsetting result for Brighton. If you're Steve Cooper, you just move on to the next one. Hopefully you can nick a 1-0 soon um, in similar fashion, but... Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure the new manager in Desarbia, uh, Deserbi, sorry, is uh, still winless in his um, since coming. I think he's got two draws and two defeats now in his four games. So uh, sooner or later, things might be um, adding pressure on him before this window, uh, before this break, I should say, for the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's jump into the next one. Uh, apologies if either of us are low energy. I think both of them, Matt worked all day and I've, I got a really late start. I was at the, the Sixers game last night. Uh, the, the loss really deflated me. Disappointing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into it today. I'm really not, you know, I just, something about it. I, I didn't get home until like 12 and then I also didn't wake up till 12. I never sleep that long and I've had a, I've had a really tough, I know I, I only sleep like six or seven hours typically. Um, I get up early, but I haven't been able to like get it going today. I'm just really low on energy. I don't know what it was. Um, yeah, I am too. The the high school boys lost their third game in a row in OT, so yeah. it's just uh, the, the deflation I, is there. Yeah, I was just like mentally drained from last night. Sure, I get it. All right, Crystal Palace two, Wolves one. This one to get your blood flowing. Adama Traore scored his, scored his first Wolves goal in a very long time after striking home in the thirty first. However, Palace 
They play well from behind, scored in the 47th. Ebrici Eze got on the score sheet. Then Wolf Zaha, who I mentioned last week, wasn't able to score, actually scored in this one in the 70th. In terms of statistics, four shots on target for both sides, 14 shots for Palace, just four more than Wolves, who had 10, and the possession was split pretty much down the middle. Both teams looked relatively, you know, matched in this one. Diego Costa got the start up top with Adama, uh, Nunez, and Podence behind him. Ruben Neves, of course, back after that long time out of the team. He was playing in the pivot with uh, Traore. And then we had Edward Olise and Zaha up top with Eze Ducore and Schlupp behind them. Defense unchanged from last week. Um, the takeaway, I think Matt and I both agreed on this, was the fact that they let Elise play in here. We didn't have IU starting. Uh, no Mateta, who is another guy that I really like. But I think if you have Zaha, Edward, Elise, and Eze all in there, you have potential to get goals from every single one of those positions. Uh, Odson Edward has been great for Palace this year. I think he has five or six goals already. He scores in the games where they really can't get any sort of um, contribution out of Wilf. Uh, but, you know, Wilf and, and Eze both look good in this game. They're both dynamic players. Palace play well from behind. As soon as as soon as soon Wolves scored in this one, uh, I knew that Palace were going to be able to dig themselves back in, probably score, maybe get a draw, but definitely uh, the, the possibility for a win was also there. So I was really happy to see Palace fight back. Um, it's great. This is the exact uh, sort of result I expect from Palace at this point. They're in 11th on 13 points, and Wolves uh, slide again down to 18th on 9 points. Yeah, just the, the management can't get things right at Wolves. Um, they, they had Neves and Collins back in there now, and you saw the, the difference they made um, from previous weeks when they weren't in the squad. Diego, Car- uh, Diego Costa, sorry, still just not... He's not that guy. He's just a bit of a placeholder there. Hopefully he can get one sooner or later, but he's just in there waiting for Jimenez to come back. Um, Huang Yi Chan just lost all sort of form he had from the start of last season when he first joined from the Bundesliga. And Guedes isn't seeming like he's firing on all cylinders from um, La Liga. So all their attacking options as normal are a bit falling off the edge. And yeah, Triori was hype. Um, I had a feeling on fantasy, he picked him up as a free agent, and it worked out for me. Um, hopefully he can keep it up since um, new management's taken over. He's been getting the start in every game. Was very concerned why they took him out in the 59th minute, um, because he was the driving force for them down that right wing. And when they put uh, Guedes in there, he had maybe two chances, and they were both from outside the box, and he had no sort of effect on the game. So concerning there, I thought Bueno, their left back, he got his first start of the season. He got the assist to Traore. I thought he was really nice going forward, similar to how Aitnori is. Um, I'd like to see him in there more, too. Uh, they probably play off each other well. So um, I think Wolves can take positives. But once again, Patrick Vieira's halftime uh, talk and tactical changes once again won him this game. Just like last time against Leeds, um, Zaha looked like a completely different player, um, getting a lot more on the ball, creating a lot more opportunities, and really frustrating that back line for uh wolves Semedo was all over him in that second yep. half he was uh he took a step above so um it was great to see for palace hopefully it continues but i don't know if palace can keep a streak like this alive they're um they might get too far behind in the first half to where it's too much too big of a mountain to climb in the second 
Yeah, that's that's definitely possible. I mean, this where they're at in the table right now is probably close to where they're going to finish. They're they're probably not going to get the results against the big teams, but um, games like this where they can sort of fight back and at least stay in control despite going down, uh, you know, they're 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 most likely going to get at least a point from those games. So uh, I'd have to look at their fixtures moving forward to give you a more accurate uh, placement in the table. But I do think. You know, around that ninth to twelfth spot is probably where we're going to see Crystal Palace finish. Okay, let's jump into Bournemouth nil, Southampton one. Ooh, surprising here. Um, I thought maybe this one would wind up in a draw. It it definitely could have, but Southampton were able to lock down after a Che Adams goal in the ninth minute. Southampton with nine shots, three of those being on target. Three shots as well for Bournemouth on target. 15 shots total for them, however. They had uh, 54% possession, 529 passes. When you look at Southampton's passes, 464 passes. So Bournemouth knocked the ball around a little bit better than they did. Uh, This lineup, I think, from Southampton, I mean, it's not really changing uh, much. They have Salisu and and Kalitakar back there. With uh, Che Adams, Armstrong, we saw El Yunusi here, but James Ward Prowse and AMN in the middle of the park are pretty much you know how it's going to be. Uh, no changes for Bournemouth from the week before, I believe. Really unlucky result, I think, for Bournemouth. They didn't have an unbelievable, um, you know, showing here, but I do think that they they probably could have got a point. They they really. Didn't have great chances, but they should have been able to at least break Southampton down. They they haven't really been that good, Southampton, and this is a really disappointing loss uh, for Bournemouth. They're they're in twelfth, which is which is fine, uh, but it would have been nice to see them sort of widen that gap between the teams like West Ham and Southampton, uh, who are right around them in the table. Yeah, it was right from the beginning for Southampton. They they were fortunate enough to get their goal early. It really solidified their stance on the game to where they could just hold it down. Uh, they didn't really take too many opportunities after that to get things going, uh, which gave Bournemouth a lot of freedom on the ball to open things up. But they just, once again, just like Brighton, don't have that quality to finish chances, uh, especially on a team that is packed in. You see a lot of the big teams struggle against these these situations, and now you're expecting Bournemouth to get one against uh, a team like Southampton packing it in there. So. Uh, it was never meant to be. Uh, Gary O'Neill's first defeat now at Bournemouth puts them 12th in the table. Still in a good spot. They're four points clear of the drop, which is okay at this stage, 11 games in. And I think they can both move forward um, with their heads held high. Southampton finally get a big win after a six-game winless streak. Yep. Um, okay, let's move on to the next. We had uh, Liverpool-West Ham. Another strange one. Uh, a headed goal from a Samika's cross from Darwin Nunez uh, was the lone goal in this one. He scored in the 22nd, and Liverpool were able to lock up uh, West Ham and, and not concede any goals. Good to see the Liverpool back line get a, um, get a clean sheet here. TAA was back, so maybe my TAA narrative... Uh, takes a bit of a hit here, but I don't really think so. I think Henderson and Thiago were both great in the middle of the park. A good showing from Nunez. Um, is this his first Prem goal? No. Nunez? I, it's not? 
I don't think so. I think he scored at least one before. One before. This okay. one, I'm looking. Yeah, this was his second. It was his second. His right. second goal. Okay. Um, yeah, so only two goals for Nunez so far on the season, but a great win for Liverpool here. They definitely needed to beat West Ham. I, I took Liverpool. I thought they'd be able to do it. Uh, a nice header there. I thought maybe he had he had more chances. He he hit the post in the first half as well. Uh, Salah missed a couple of chances. They they definitely should have been punished because Bowen had a chance to draw things level. He had a penalty at the end of the first half, but it got saved by Allison. Um, Gomez made a pretty nasty foul there. He pushed him to the ground, but uh, the penalty proved you know. Like nothing, they didn't get anything from it. I they think they really needed to because I don't know. Um, at this point, like West Ham probably can draw Liverpool. Liverpool haven't been fantastic outside of the win against uh, City last week, which is another one they they maybe shouldn't have won. Um, West Ham going to be a little bit upset that they didn't get a point from this one. They're in thirteenth on eleven points. Liverpool improved to seventh position. On 16 points now, 11 points off the top, seven points off second and third place. Yeah, uh, Nunez's first goal was on the opening day against Fulham, where they got a right. two-two draw. So it's been a long time for him to get a goal back in the league. Um, when Thiago's firing, you know things will open up easily for Liverpool up front. Um, getting the job done. I like the combo Firmino Nunez. That South American flair going. Um, it's it's nice to see Liverpool getting back into form. Allison, I think that's the first penalty save I've ever seen him make in a in a yeah. live game. Um, back to back games where he's popping off both uh, in the assist column and now in the penalty saves. Uh, for West Ham, it was a bit flat. Um, they're really struggling to get things going a bit. Uh, David Moyes isn't really using too many subs off the bench. Uh, ben Rahman and Antonio are like his main guys coming off the bench, but. Other than them, he doesn't really have any offensive changes to come on. He has Lanzini on there too, but um, they're a bit. He has his hands a bit tied when it comes to options there to get things going. So um, when they're going down early, it's it's tough for them to get back because uh, they don't have too many options. Yeah. Um, okay, let's jump into the next. We had Brentford nil, Chelsea nil. Unlucky result for Chelsea, who I thought. Would have won this game. They had 14 shots, five on target, held 67% of the possession, just 33 for the Bees. Five shots on target for them as well, with eight shots total. We should say Chelsea are currently in fourth on 20 points. Brentford uh, in 10th on 14. I'm sure they were pleased to get a point from this, but I know Chelsea would have wanted those three. Could have really uh, jumped them up the table a bit. Broya actually getting a start here as the lone striker. Havertz played behind him in a center forward role with Cucurella playing left wing back, Loftus Cheek playing right wing back, Gallagher and Jorginho in mount uh, in the middle with a triple pivot. Kind of interesting there. Koulibaly, Chaloba, and Aspi getting the start at left center and right center back. Um, I'm looking at, at Brentford's lineup here. And Buemo and Tony up top. Rico Henry and Roarslev playing right uh, right wing back and left wing back. Onyeka, Janelt, and Jensen, who have been getting the starts in the center of the park in a triple pivot as well. Jorgensen, me, and Pinnock at the back with, of course, David Rea in 
uh, goal. We should also say that Kepa was in goal for this one. So he's he's been uh, getting some starts here. Brentford are now unbeaten against Chelsea in consecutive games for the first time since a run of three in February of 1939. So that was before uh, World War II. Just makes you think. Brentford have kept consecutive clean sheets now. Uh, this is only the second time in the Prem. Uh, but really, really nice performance from their back line. I just thought Chelsea maybe would have had a chance here. Um, they both really did have chances to win the game. Uh, the Bees probably also feel like they wanted three points, but I don't think they're going to be upset um, You know, with, with that one point. Tony was denied a couple of times by Kepa, and, and Buemo had a, like a free header, nobody around him. He put that right at Kepa as well. Chelsea had, you know, a couple of moments, but they just weren't able to get through that Brentford defense. They were they were pretty good. Yeah, I would say uh, both goalkeepers in this match were the, were the MVPs for the day, uh, keeping both teams in it. I would say first half, Brentford definitely should have scored Tooney with a couple key key chances that were saved. And then second half when um, Graham Potter, again, in that 60th minute window, uh, made the change where... He was going to put more subs in, and they really affected the game. We saw Chukwu Mecca, uh, Pulisic, Sterling, and Aubameyang all come on around that time, uh, Aubameyang more in the 80th minute. But still, they all made impacts uh, in this game. They all had chances and were were denied because Brentford at that, that point in the last 10 minutes really just settled in for that point. Uh, unfortunate, I really thought Christian was going to bag one there, uh, but it wasn't meant to be. Uh, you mentioned Broyastar, and I thought he added a lot more, uh, a lot more of a dynamic up front than Aubameyang. Uh, Aubameyang seems like he does better with short bursts of times, not a full ninety. Um, he's just Broya. Speaking of Broya, is just young. He's very aggressive. He's willing to make those runs, uh, press highly on these back lines, and uh, a few times he almost picked pockets. So uh, he did make a sub in the fifteenth minute. He took Gallagher out. Um, unsure if he picked up a knock or not, but that was unfortunate to see. I definitely thought he was going to be a big role in this game, but it wasn't meant to be. And yeah, I mean, both sides had scary moments in the back. Uh, without Thiago Silva, I was a bit worried, but Chaloba held his own in that middle, in that uh, central role, I should say. And um, I guess we can be happy with a point to a certain degree, but the the curse lives for Zach. He's 0-11 still with Brentford. Jesus, unreal. Um, I yeah, I really did think Chelsea were going to be able to get the result here. That was it was a bit unlucky there towards the end. But... Yeah, and especially when Tottenham are dropping points. I mean, I know. Just, it, it, was, it was the window was there. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we'll jump into the next one. This one was really boring for one team. Uh, Newcastle one, Everton zero. If you all remember last week, I said a Miguel Almiron masterclass was in play. He was the lone goal scorer in the thirtieth minute. 16 shots for Newcastle, four on target, 50% possession, just one shot total for Everton. They're a bit constipated up top right now. DCL got the start with Gordon and Gray alongside him. We should say those are the two, the three best players they have offensively, and they were only able to get one total shot out of it. Uh, Newcastle pressed them. Newcastle were much better in attack. Murphy, Wilson, and Almiron across the top are are really solid. They've been really good. Gimaris and Jolinton put in a shift, and then their defense, of course, was great too. So um, this is terrible for Everton. It really is. It's bad. Their their defense managed to you know 
keep Newcastle at bay for the most part, but that one goal was the difference for for points. Um, Newcastle now sitting in sixth on 18 points, so my prediction is not too far off for Newcastle, and Everton are in 15th on 10. Yeah, the first half especially was just heavily one side in Newcastle. It seemed like it could have been 3-0 at the half. Um, second half, Everton did make uh, good changes to where they got more involved in the match, um, opened things up, got more forward, and uh, had more possession in the final third. But the game got pretty chippy towards the end. We saw six cards in this match, four going to Everton's way. Um, a lot to do there for the ref. Uh, I thought Guimaraes in the middle really held his own, showed his class. The back line, of course, for Newcastle have done what they've done all year. Still 11 games. They've only been defeated once. Um, one of those top-tier teams. They just let things slip a bit with six draws. So they're on the up-and-up Everton. Still need to lick their wounds a bit. They're involved in every game, but... Like you mentioned, their their top guys up front just aren't aren't providing what they need. We know DCL in the past can score ten to fifteen goals in the league, but he just isn't isn't fit enough to do that for a full season. And it seems like in this short burst since he's come back, he can't do it then either. Yeah. Um, okay. What do we have up next? Oh yes, the game of the week. Manchester United two, Tottenham zero. In a game that saw Cristiano Ronaldo permanently banned from the Manchester United first team, uh, we also saw a United victory. Fred in the 47th, Bruno in the 69th. They were able to defeat a Tottenham team who just did not have it on the day. Manchester United's attack looked absolutely fantastic. They were buzzing. They were working in unison. They got goals from the midfield. It was perfection. 28 shots for United, 10 shots on target, 52% of the possession. They moved the ball around extremely well. Nine shots for Tottenham, two shots, excuse me, on target, and then 48% possession for them. They moved the ball around relatively uh, well, you know, themselves, but they weren't able to get a goal in this one. And I just think when I look at this team, well, we didn't see Richarlison in this one, but Kane and Son up top should be enough to get you a goal against the United defense who hasn't really gelled all that well this season. The center of the park had Casemiro in it, of course. Uh, that is such a huge help. It really is. The more I watch, the more I see. Uh, when you start Casemiro in there, the defense has essentially a sweeper playing in front of them. He he stays back, gets involved. He helps the ball get out from the back there as well. And it really is such a big help for United. He's such a big body and big pre- big presence with a ton of experience. So uh, that was that was a standout for me. He got carded and got... Uh, sent off, uh, not sent off, but subbed off. Um, and then Anthony and Sancho, I think, were both good. Rashford, a bit unlucky to not get a goal in this one. He was involved, but not able to get anything going. Uh, but a great, great result for United. They were plus money in this one, like serious plus money. They're in fifth now on 19 points. They're only four points behind Tottenham and eight points behind Arsenal. So a really good win. It seems like the guys are starting to buy into uh, Eric Ten Hag's system. And then now we have Tottenham who've dropped points, I believe, uh, three weeks in a row or two out of the last three weeks. So not great for them. they got to get it figured out soon. Yeah, two losses in their last five. Um obviously to United and previously to uh, Arsenal um, rivals there in the table. Those are going to probably bite them later in the year potentially. But yeah, this was a heavily dominant game by United, even with Spurs having three central midfielders. They completely got run through. 
Antonio Conte, I didn't know, but he still has never won at Old Trafford yet. Um, in both times now with Spurs and Chelsea. Um, Bruno Fernandes, man of the match with the goal. Um, he, he was setting people up the entire game. I think he was listed for nine key passes. Um, this this lineup here seems like it's the lineup to go with. I don't know how they're going to work Erickson back into the lineup or if maybe he's going to be a rotation guy yeah. now. Um, I think that's the way to go. They have to play Casemiro after what he's shown. Fred heavily involved in the attack as well. He bagged the first, um, really held his own, and made a good claim for his starting role in this team. So um, a lot of guys earning trust in the manager there. Tottenham, I was really surprised how bad and how poor they played this entire game. Really were limited in their chances with only nine shots in total and only two of them being on target, both from Harry Kane. So Eric Ten Hag seems like he knows what he's doing. Um, People are backing him now, and I think he ultimately is happy with the decision on getting Ronaldo out of the club. Um, It seems like it's the right way to go. It doesn't seem like there's too much pushback from fans or anything, and they have a big matchup this week against Chelsea, which ultimately will probably be a draw. Yeah, for sure. I think that's probably uh, spot on in terms of prediction. Okay, Uh, Fulham 3, Aston Villa nil. The game that saw manager Stevie G sacked was an absolute disgrace by Aston Villa. Douglas Louise got a red card that I want to mention quickly was rescinded. Uh, it'll just be a yellow, so we'll see him this week uh, in action. But for Fulham, the team that won, Harrison Reed with a goal in the 36th, Mitrovic with a penalty in the 68th, and then an own goal in the 84th for Tyrone Mings of Aston Villa. A terrible, terrible performance for Villa. They had a couple of chances, but weren't able to convert. 39% possession for them, six shots on target with 12 shots total, 18 shots for Fulham, eight of those on target with 61% possession, 482 passes for Fulham, uh, nearly 170 more than Aston Villa. This was truly a solid performance from Fulham. This is the exact team uh, that I think they are. Marco Silva at the helm. They've been really good. Getting a goal for Mitrovic. Pereira, Willian, and Cabano behind him with Reed and Paulinha in the center of the park. Paulinha has been really good. He's an under. He's really an undersung uh, sort of player for them. We saw Reed. Uh, Diop, Tim Ream, and Robinson at the back. They've been good enough to get results for this Fulham team. I don't think really anybody with the exclusion of Anthony Robinson uh, is going to be a mainstay in that team forever, especially if Fulham stay up. But I do think that, that Robinson's really good, and I think that they have some solid midfielders. And, of course, Mitrovic. I mean, we, we can't forget to mention him. He's he's really good. He's He's going to be a guy that they can rely on, and it's good to see him on pace um, you know, to, to keep up with some of the other top strikers in the league. Uh, Leon Bailey, Watkins, and Ings up top for Villa. A pretty narrow formation here. I, I don't think this worked, but I know Stevie G had to sort of switch things up and, and attempt to catch Fulham off guard and get some points. But like we, we mentioned, he wasn't able to do it. Stevie G's gone, and it looks to me like Villa are sort of in the gutter. They are truly the Carolina Panthers of the, uh, of the Prem. Yeah, that's what it seems like. It, um, the only thing, they're not selling off their assets right now like the Panthers do with McCaffrey now, uh, boosting uh, rivals there and the Niners in the NFC. So that's a that's all for another day and another podcast show. But right now, I think this was the best three they could possibly put up front. Um, obviously, Coutinho has been excluded the past couple games. 
interesting to see there. Um, he hasn't been able to find that form yet uh, since the start of this season. Uh, last year he added flair, but now it seems like he's a bit dead. Uh, Mings with uh, another bit of a stinker of a game for himself. Uh, own goal, unfortunate for him there. And the second goal being a penalty, it was an unfortunate handball call, which was really hard on to to call on cash. Uh, I'm watching the replay and the way it happened, Mitrovic is two yards away and just smashes it. And so there's just no time to react. So it was just it was just bad call after bad call and everything going against Villa. And it was really a shame. But um, it is what it is. I think the players ultimately got what they wanted. Um, now they get that managerial change. Um, who knows how long it's going to take until they can actually get the new man through the door. But they have to go right again now with the interim staff, whoever that is and bounce back as quick as they can because uh, the games aren't going to get any easier. And for Fulham's sake, they're only one point from a European spot. you got to remember top seven in the Prem make a European position. So surprising to say that Fulham are in contention for that right now. Yeah, it really is. Uh, okay, let's jump into the next one. I think we only only have one game left before we get into our predictions. Ah, uh, yes, another shitter. Uh, Leicester City 2, Leeds United 0. Jesse Marsh's boy, boys uh, with an extremely disappointing performance here against the Foxes. Uh, an own goal in the 16th by Robin Koch. Got Leicester City ahead. Harvey Barnes added another in the 35th. And then it was all Leeds for the remainder of the game. You look at the score sheet, you'd be surprised to know uh, that Leeds really did play well. Uh, 14 shots, two shots on target. Defensively, very poor, but offensively, they had it going a little bit. Five shots for Wool or for uh, the Foxes, one shot on target. 46% possession for Leicester. Um, I don't know, man. What, when I looked at Leeds, like they just looked better. They looked, they looked like they were the better team. They looked like they were going to be the team to win this one. Uh, we saw Somerville in. We saw Aronson playing uh, in his native cam. Bamford up top with Sinistera out on the uh, the left. Tyler Adams and Roca in the middle of the park. The defense is just not good. It's not good. And I thought, um, you know, this this could be a draw. I didn't really think Leicester were going to be the team to come out and do this, especially when you think about how poor they've been uh, in close matches. But they were able to get all three. They're in 19th now on eight points. And Leeds are only a couple points ahead, one point ahead, uh, in 16th on nine points. They they really needed this one, and it's it's very disappointing that they weren't able to get it. Yeah, um, it's just both of these games on Thursday were just heavily one-sided, it seemed like. And I was more surprised with this one. This is Leicester's third clean sheet now in four games. Um, after the start they had with all their defensive woes, now it seems like they're getting a bit of form. Braj is getting things a bit back on track. I think another win, uh, another two wins, probably gets him a little bit more time. Um, even without James Madison, they got the job done, uh, which is saying something. And his replacement, Pratt, was heavily involved in the first goal there um, over to, I think it was an own goal from Cock. But yeah, it seems like when Leeds were, they rested Harrison and Rodrigo. They didn't play the full 90s. They came off the bench and they played youngsters in Somerville and uh, they went with Bamford in there and both of them didn't didn't provide that that clinical finish that they that they needed in this game. They needed to get one back before Leicester got their, their second and really closed the game in the first half. Because um, when I watched the second half, it was just, I was fading in and out. Just not, no, neither team was really getting anything going and 
it was a bit of a snore bit. So um, unfortunate for Jesse there. It puts them in a position now in 16th with three straight defeats that um, we know they can produce and play better than this. But it just seems like that number nine position is really holding them back. So um, until Rodrigo finds a bit more form or is given that role um, for a couple games or the other option being Bamford waking up and pulling himself out of his ass and to start getting back in the old ways where he scored 16, 17 goals in their first season up. Um, the time will only tell, but yeah, we know they can do better. And Leicester, it's, it's, they're on the up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they, they have quite a bit of work to do in order to get themselves out of that absolute gutter hole that they're in. Uh, but when you look at their team on paper, they do have enough quality to get out of there. I, th- I think that they could certainly... Uh, contend with teams like Southampton, Bournemouth, not really West Ham. I think they'll make some moves up the table still. They're still figuring things out. But I do think Leicester are a much better team than the competition that's surrounding them right now on the bottom of the table. Okay, let's jump into predictions. We have Nottingham Forest and Liverpool kicking off the weekend at 7.30 a.m. tomorrow, Saturday, October 22nd. I'm going to take Liverpool in this one. They have two 1-0 victories in a row here. I think this one is going to be a deluge of goals. I really like him to get the win here. Nottingham Forest, just just don't move the needle for me whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that Zach's going to go with Liverpool as well. I don't have his pick check, but um, I will eventually for the next show. So um, I think sweep here for Liverpool. This could potentially be another um, five-plus goal dumper. Uh, we saw Liverpool thump Bournemouth 9-0, and Scotty P lost his job. I don't think we'll see the same thing with Steve Cooper because um, a couple weeks ago they gave him a three-year extension. So uh, this is going to be a really tough one, but I think the crowd for Forrest is going to be animated and may give them a little bit of push in the beginning, but once Liverpool get that first one, man, it's going to be all downhill. Yeah. Okay. Uh, up next, Everton versus Crystal Palace. This is a clear-cut Crystal Palace pick for me. I love Palace. I've been with them pretty much every week of the season. Uh, I haven't bet on them to lose all that much, uh, besides against Arsenal, I think, and maybe one of the other big clubs. But, hey, I'm going to take them to win this one against Everton. Everton's offense is just so poor. Their defense is fine, but I think Palace have enough pieces up top uh, to, to outmatch them. So I'm going to take the Eagles. Yeah, this is a tough one. I'm just looking at both teams. I've always had it lean more towards Everton compete, and they always do in every game. Uh, and Palace can let things go a bit, but Everton have one of the weaker attacks now. We've seen over the past couple games, they're only averaging like two to three shots a game on target, which is not going to get the job done, especially against a Palace defense that's pretty stern. Um, my gut instinct wants to agree with you there and go with Palace. Um, saying Everton have lost their last three matches. They're undefeated, though, in their last seven home matches against Palace. Uh, Palace have failed to win six of their last... failed to win their last six away games. So uh, I think I'm going to take a chance here again with Everton. It seems like every week that's what I'm doing. Um, and most most recently, it's really bitten me in the butt. But I think one more time around, I'm going to go with a draw here. I think Everton at home play a lot better than on the road. And I'm willing to take another chance on the Toffees. Yep. Okay. Uh, Manchester City versus Brighton up next. That one's at 10 a.m. alongside the Everton match. I'm going to take City here. Uh, Brighton disappointing last week against Nottingham Forest, who they definitely should have beaten. I don't know what was up with that one. It could definitely be a bounce-back spot for them, but 
I just think City are too good. They're coming off a loss against Liverpool and then not playing last or in the midweek. I think that they're going to be rested. I think they're going to be in a good headspace, and I think that they can beat the Seagulls for sure. Yeah, I'm going with City as well. Um, Brighton do play similar style, but when they don't have the ball, it seems like they're going to be a bit out of their depths. Um, and Brighton are on a three-game uh, streak of not scoring a goal. So uh, coming up against a City team that is allowing the least amount of goals so far this year with only 10, uh, joint with Chelsea and Man City. Oh, sorry, Newcastle have given up even less. So second least. Um, it's going to be a long day for Brighton, especially on the road here. Yeah. Uh, okay, Chelsea versus United up next. This is a tough one. Uh, my gut instinct is to probably take a draw. United are playing much better. Chelsea, disappointing draw against Brentford last week. These two teams are right next to each other in the table. Chelsea have a one-point advantage uh, on United. I am going to go with... A draw seems too simple. A draw just uh, seems like everybody... That's what everybody thinks. You know, there's the, a last, the, the last four meetings in the league have all been draws. The first two nil-nils and the last two um, one-ones. The the previous winner was Man U in 2020. 2-0 yeah. at the bridge. All right. This game's where? At Old Trafford? No, it's at the bridge. It's at the bridge. Ah, fuck. Uh, just give me Chelsea. I'll take Chelsea. Yeah, For, I'm for literally say, no reason. I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to do something I never thought I'd do. I'm going to go against Chelsea. I'm going to yeah. go with United here. I never thought I was going to say that. Um, I thought about main it, too. Re- main reason is hopefully Chelsea can dog it out and, and uh, prove me wrong here. But just uh, the way United's attack's been recently and the way Chelsea's back line has flopped a bit. Uh, we saw Villa. They really struggled a bit at times. And even against Brentford there, uh, we really had opportunities where we could have gotten pounced on one two nil so i think with the united offense that's really potent is one of the top tier attacks i i think we just really slip up and drop the bag here so i'll go with man U. okay um wolves city wolves leicester city up next sunday that's the early game or one of the early games just four of them uh oh that game stinks i'll go with i don't know man wolves can't score so I'm going to go with Leicester. Even if Leicester don't play that well defensively, I don't really think Wolves are going to have all that many chan- like solid chances on goal. I just think Leicester are good with Madison and um, Daka and Vardy up top. So I- I'll go with Leicester. Uh, that, that is going to be one that burns me for sure. Yeah, Leicester have lost the last five road games uh, and conceded at least two goals in their last five road games. Uh, and Wolves are undefeated in their last eight home matches against Leicester. Uh, I think, I mean, this is a massive six-pointer. Both teams right next to each other in the relegation zone. Um, it's unfortunate Zach doesn't have his picks because he's leading the race with Wolves. He's 10-1 and with Wolves, which is the best record overall for all of us. Um, Leicester's one of my best eight and three, so... Um, it seems like Leicester on the up and up. Wolves just barely keep it in these games. Um, I want to go with a draw, but I think I'm going to go with you there. I think I'm going to go with Leicester. I think the Foxes get the job done, and Barrage keeps climbing out of the bottom. All right, cool. Uh, Aston Villa versus Brentford up next. That This is an easy one. I'm going to go with Brentford there. 
Uh, Villa have an interim manager. They haven't been playing good football. Maybe they'll play better for the interim guy, but uh, I don't know. I don't. We have to see a week of them first before we start to bet on them. So I'm going to take Brentford in this one. Uh, I think this could be a route. It definitely can be. Um, Brentford don't have too many injury issues where Aston Villa are still going to be without um, Digne at, at left back and uh, Kamara there. One of their main signings they brought in from uh, with, a, with a knee issue. So it's going to be pretty boring going forward for Villa there. I think Brentford, though, will have opportunities where they're going to let Villa into the game. Uh, Brentford have failed to win their last five road games, but... They're undefeated in their last eight matches against Villa in all comps, while Villa have drawn four have drawn their last four home matches against Brentford. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think I'm gonna go with you again. I think I'm gonna go Brentford. Okay, cool. Uh, I want to pick different, but just I, I just feel like that's the right pick. Yeah, I I'm with you. So Arsenal Southampton's up next. That's an easy one. Arsenal, they've got a little bit of rest. Didn't play midweek. Uh, well, they didn't play in the Prem midweek. They did play PSV, who they were able to beat 1-0. Uh, Arsenal topping their Europa League group, I believe, won all of their games. So uh, I'm going to take Arsenal in this one. They're in red-hot form right now. Top of the table on 27 points. Uh, going against a team who has just not been all that good. Uh, Southampton, who are in... Where are they? 14th on 11? Yeah, I'll take Arsenal on this one. I think this could be another game where there's just a deluge of goals. I don't think they're going to have Zinchenko fully back in this one yeah, yet. No. Um, Stat-wise, um, on the side I'm using, there's nothing really here. It just says Arsenal have won their last 10 out of 11 in the Prem, which is obvious. Uh, they're 10-1, top of the league there with a four-point gap. Could make it seven, depending on how City's result goes. But Southampton have the most recent win there, 1-0 at the end of last season in a bit of an upset. But at the Emirates there, they won 3-0 in the first one. With the Arsenal killer in Fraser Forster was in goal, but he won't be in goal in this game. They have youngster Bazunu. Um, I think Saka picked up a bit of a knock in that Europa or yeah, the Europa game. I don't think it was serious, Mikel said in the presser, but um hopefully he's involved, which will help a lot. So I'm gonna go with Arsenal too. Okay, cool. Uh, and then we have Leeds versus Fulham up next. Fulham coming off a great win last week. Leeds coming off a very unfortunate defeat. Uh, I'm going to take Fulham in this one. I think they can beat Leeds here. I, I, I really like Fulham. I know that they're not, you know, anything like crazy earth-shattering, but they are ninth on 15 after just getting promoted last season. And I, I don't know. They're good. They're really solid. So I'm going to take them. Um, our leads are in really bad form. One of the worst right now with yeah. four, four losses in the last five, the other being a draw. They're really desperate for a win now. Um, it's falling down that table slowly. Fulham have a bit of stability there. Like you mentioned mid table. Um, my gut wants me to pick leads here in a bit of an upset, but my brain wants to go with you with Fulham because Mitrovic is red hot and I don't see their defense able to cope with him. Um, I think I'm willing to go with a draw here. I think Leeds at home with the crowd definitely have a bit of a bounce back, um, but I don't see them fully winning this game. So I'm going to go with a draw. Okay. Um, and then where are we at now? We have, oh yes, Tottenham, Newcastle. Man, this is a tough one too. I like a draw on this one. I just think Tottenham are probably going to at least get back to getting a point a week here. Um, Newcastle are a solid team. They're really only a couple of points behind uh, Tottenham in the table, but I, I just 
can't see them winning here. Uh, not a like unbelievable offensive performance for Newcastle against Everton last week. I think they probably could have scored more goals than that. So uh, I'll take I'll take a draw here. Uh, Tottenham got to show me something. I don't really think they're going to win the game, but I do think that they could definitely get a point. Um, right away, I think Spurs on a bounce back, but without Kulusevski and Richarlison, it's going to be tough. They'll have to play the three in the middle, and I give the midfield advantage to Newcastle currently. So I think I'm going to go with Newcastle on a bit of an upset. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, that that would be fucking catastrophic, honestly, for Tottenham if they were going to drop these points, too. It'd be a big deal. I don't think they're that bad, so I'll stick with the draw, but I see where you're coming from. Okay, West Ham versus Bournemouth up next. West Ham, as we mentioned, are in 13th. Bournemouth are in 12th. Bournemouth currently have a two-point advantage on West Ham in the table, but I think West Ham jump them here. I think they get all three points. I like them to win this game. Um, it's going to say Paqueta is going to be out. He won't be available due to injury, still without Cornet as well. Looking at Bournemouth, as long as they have Solanke in there, they have, they're in a good chance to be involved in the game. Um, still no, no Lloyd Kelly there in the back. He'll, I think this will be the last one he'll miss due to injury. But I think this is the bit of a slide for Bournemouth here. I think West Ham bounced back here with the win. Okay. Uh, that's everything from us guys. This was a bit of a short episode just because it's midweek games. We had a uh, a postponement and then like Matt and I mentioned, the energy is low. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. We will be back, uh, next week to give you, yeah, there's no midweek games next week. So, um, see be a Wednesday midweek episode again, like normal. Yep. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you check us out on social media at post20pod. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you haven't listened to Matt's debut on the NFL show, uh, give that a look. That's up. Uh, I posted that yesterday. So make sure you guys check everything out, all things post20. It's all up there. And uh, we'll see you next week, okay?